Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, your life improvement series starts now. Hello, hello, friends. It's going to be a great day. Have a great conversation on deck for you, but let's start with our quote of the day. I don't want to get to the end of my life and find that I've just lived the length of it. I want to have lived the width of it as well. That's by Diane Ackerman. I like that. Also from our guest, we have a second quote. You can't leave it to forces outside yourself to create your destiny. You have to do it. And that is from Bazoma St. John Friends. She wrote this book, The Urgent Life, um, all about her life navigating crisis and death and uh, a lot of grief. I think you guys are going to really connect with her and really see uh, another way through. Um, I really, really think you guys are going to love this. Anyhow, um, super excited to have you guys back with us today on Heal Squad. Don't forget to uh, leave us a review. We will leave a link for that below in the comments um, or in the summary. And then if you are here on YouTube, um, anything that you liked or want to hear more from, just leave us a little comment below and we'll try to, uh, to fulfill that wish or need. Uh, Bazoma St. John is an influencer, American businesswoman. She's had a stellar career in marketing. Uh, most recently is the global chief marketing officer at Netflix. She began her career at Spike Lee's advertising agency, She was a senior marketing executive at Apple, Pepsi, um, Uber, and so many more. She was named one of the most influential chief marketing officers by Forbes in 2021. And she's got a really successful online tutorial called the Badass Workshop, which teaches others to be their greatest selves. And I can't think of a better teacher than her because she is such a badass. Uh, Heel Squad, let's uh, get into this conversation with Bazoma. 
When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, dot com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, dot com promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. Okay, so the urgent life yes ma'am. um first of all i love the color the the cover thank you i really love 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 the cover um and and i love i mean listen for everybody who's listening here i'm just going to kind of start with what you have navigated grief wise so that they can just get that you're probably their person right now that they need to hear from so you lost your college boyfriend to suicide. Mm-hmm. You had to navigate uh, losing your husband, obviously, to mm-hmm. cancer. Uh, you had a child born prematurely. Of course, you also were navigating an interracial marriage. Yes. Um, you've gone through a lot and you share it so vulnerably in this book. And you know your 
literally one of my favorite people on the planet. And I'm sure you hear that often because you're such a leader and you're such a badass. And we've had so many chats with you on the show in the past about being a badass and being a woman that just, you know, can stand up for herself. But this is a whole other kind of side. I didn't know all of this stuff about you. Hmm. Um, Yeah. It's, it's a lot to kind of go through. And I feel like it's, uh, it's going to be really helpful for people who are listening. I know I was learning so much um, as I was reading it, you know, to kind of navigate these times, because sometimes for some of us, it's like when it rains, it pours, and then it just keeps pouring. Like, I feel like for me, Yes. God keeps granting me so many miracles and so many great things, but at the same time, it doesn't mean I'm not going through it a lot. Say that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you feel like you're someone who has that kind of life where shit just keeps happening? (laughs) It's like, it's like the peaks and the valleys constantly, you know? Um, And I remember once, only once, praying and asking God for the plateau. <laughs> Me too. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was I'm like, like Lord, no, no, no more, no more, please. Right? I was like, Lord, now, you know, I love you. And sometimes I don't like you. Okay. <laughs> Lord, God, <laughs> where is my damn plateau? I see some people out here just skating through life. And then I thought, oh, well, maybe they're not skating though. Like maybe they're actually not actually living. Maybe that's why they're not on these high highs and low lows. Because if you're living, right? Like really living. Yeah. Taking the risks, loving hard, like chasing your dreams, doing the stuff that people told you that you couldn't do, (laughs) bearing down your teeth and gritting, some bleep is going to happen to you. It's not always going to be a win. It's not always going to be like, oh, trophy, here I go. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's, that's the truth of life. And yes, it is scary. And yes, it is sad. Lord, God, it is grief, you know, over all kinds of losses, not just in human losses, but in dreams and aspirations and relationships and all kinds of losses, right? But it is what actually then makes this life worth living is if you're in the high highs and you have to take the low lows with it. So what I've always kind of turned to is that you can't have growth without the pain. Hmm. True. So Hmm. whenever I'm in pain, I'm like, okay, we're growing. But that's where I was like, God, I don't need to grow anymore. We've been growing a lot. Like, can we just chill, please? (laughs) Oh yeah. 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 No, in my book, I literally write, I was like, at one point I asked and I still ask God, I'm like, is it possible for me not to learn these big lessons through so much pain? Yeah. I don't think I'm like, like, are we, can we be even now? Is this good now? Like, cause I really don't want to do that anymore. (laughs) You know? And at the same time, I'm like, well, I still got to take the big risks though. Like Maria, I still have to love again. Deeply, vulnerably, openly. I still have to do it. And does that mean that there's a risk that something happens to that love? Yes, there because is. Because you had it happen twice. Yeah. Yes. Yes. In terrible, terrible ways. In terrible, terrible, terrible ways. Ways that 
If I said right now, or at any point, Ooh, I have the chills. If I said, you know what? Like, I don't, I don't want to venture there anymore. I don't think anybody would blame me. No one would say like, oh yeah, no bows. What are you doing? Like, just relax. Like, go do it again. No. If I, if I was talking to you and I was like, Maria, look, this happened and that happened and it was so painful, blah, blah. And I said, you know what? Because of that, I am going to take my vows of celibacy and I'm turn myself into a nunnery and I'm just going to sit there and pray every day. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah, that's a good idea, Bose. <laughs> In fact, I support you. Where should I send the jam? You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Like, that's what she would say. But instead, it's like, look, I, I still love this life. I still love the risk of it all. And I want to keep living it. And that is why I'm living urgently because I love it. I absolutely love it. You said something earlier that I know runs through all of our minds because I have it too sometimes where you're like, how come, how come they just skate by? How come like they just, they're all healthy. How come they're all healthy? Mm. And I'm not right. Mm. Or, you know, you think all of these things. And of course, luckily I don't live in that and I don't stay in that, but the things, you know, come through your mind. Yes. Um, How did you go from kind of those thoughts to not, Mm. you know, because you do live and you are bold and big. And that's what I love about you and your pink car. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you do that in the face of all this adversity? I mean, seriously, how tempting is it though, to look at somebody else's life and say, gosh, like, why, why can't my life be like that? Like, why can't I have it easy like that? Or why can't I be successful like that? Or why can't my man be as dope as that guy, that girl's man is? <laughs> you know, why don't my kids behave like that? It's so easy. We and by the way, we do it self-consciously too, right? Constantly do it. And the thing that I I know for sure, and I realize is first of all, we don't know everybody's stories. Just as you said, look, we're great girlfriends. I love you dearly. We've talked about so much. And yet there's stuff in my book that you don't know or didn't know before you read it, right? Yep. Hell, my own sisters, people who have been with me since before I can remember consciousness. <laughs> there were things that they read that they were just like, my God, Bose, I didn't know. Like that, that is the, the life and the world that we live in. We don't know what's happening all the time in somebody else's life. And there's this... Um, I don't know who said it or where it came from, but I remember once reading it and it always stuck with me, you know, which was just like, if you were to take all of your problems and put them in the middle, you know, of a circle and everybody else put their problems in the middle, you would grab yours back real quick. <laughs> You'd be like, actually, you know no, I don't want nobody else's. Like, this is that, you know, what is it at Christmas time? It's like the white elephant or, you know, like that game where like you, you take, yes, right. It's like, no, 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 actually, you know what? I'm gonna keep my, I'm gonna keep my problems. You know what? You, you can have yours. I, I don't even want to risk it. Let me just go ahead and grab mine back. Cause you just never know what other people are going through. And so, yes, yeah. even though it is natural to us to look at somebody else and sometimes even positively say, oh, that's a goal. I want to do that. You know, it's not always negative. It's, it's sometimes it's just like, I want to do that thing, but you don't know their journey. And also your destiny, the bigger point, your destiny is yours and yours alone. The journey that you're walking is yours and yours alone. The gifts that you have are yours and yours alone. The blessings that you'll get are yours and yours alone. And so 
the pain and the challenges are also yours and yours alone. That is the way it works. That's the way of the universe. And so the more we're able to appreciate the fact that this is actually a really individual journey. Yes, we can have partners. Yes, we can have children. Yes, we can have all kinds of relationships. But this journey is ours. And as soon as we start to appreciate that and live intentionally, life becomes worth living. And accepting it. Yes. Yes. Like there's a reason all of these things happen to us. And I think the reason why you'd grab your problems back too is because you know you can handle your problems. Oh, yeah. Because that's yeah. why, you know, they say God only gives you what you can handle. Mm -hmm. And... And there are certain things I can think of really quickly that I was like, oh, no, 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 I can't handle those. But I can handle the ones I have. Oh, look, this. And, and I know for sure there's got to be somebody listening who feels like I can't handle what I got. You yeah. Know? There's lots of people who say that. And I won't lie and pretend that there wasn't a time in my life when I thought I can't, I can't handle this. Actually, it's too much. The burden is too much. What you know, was that moment for you? Tough. I've had so many of them. So many of them. Um, it, it comes in, in my personal life, it comes in my professional life, all of it. You know, when, um, after I lost my daughter, uh, I had to deliver her at seven months, uh, cause I developed preeclampsia and, um, she died right after her first breath, you know, and it was just the most devastating, heartbreaking moment. Um, and I knew I wanted to become a mother. I knew I wanted to have a baby. And so I got pregnant again pretty quickly after her death. Uh, of course, not advised by my doctor, not advised by anybody in my Especially life. Especially because of the preeclampsia. Oh, yeah. And they were like, first of all, you're mourning. Next, your body needs to heal. And I'm like, bump all of that. I'm doing what I want to do. So I get pregnant again. And at eight weeks, my blood pressure spikes, you know? And I'm like, oh God, here we go again. And I thought in that moment, I can't do this. Like, I made a mistake. God, get me out of this. Now, I don't even know where to go because I don't want to go forward and I definitely don't want to go back. So what do you wow. do? Wow. Oh my gosh. that You you just described that so well that it like gave me chills. Yeah. Whew, you you can't go back and you can't go forward because you know what forward can bring. Yeah. Ugh. And you can't, you can't go backwards. I'm already here. And so then what do you do? What do you do? You know, and so for a lot of people who feel that way, it can feel overwhelming. It can feel like there are no options. You want to which way to turn because every way you turn is bad. Yeah. And for me in that moment, especially, all I could focus on was the dream that I had aspired to, the dream of a healthy living child. That was the only thing I could focus on, even in knowing that that could potentially not happen. You know, every doctor warned me. They said, look, you might be in another situation like your last pregnancy. And I was like, well, I'm here now. So, and by the way, the guilt of that, and also the anger at myself, anger at my husband, anger at the doctors, anger at everybody. Cause I was just like, well, why'd y'all let me get here again? <laughs> Why'd you let me do this? <laughs> and feeling like there's no options, you know, but I do think that um, for me, I have found my way in choosing the joy. You know, I'm not saying that I'm fearless. 
or that I don't have any regrets or don't have guilt or there's, you know, the bad things don't enter my mind sometimes. They always do. But I also then have to proactively choose the joy proactively. And I'm talking about sometimes it's like moment by moment, reminding myself all the time. You know, so How again, do do not as if it doesn't work. It's not as if I don't have the fears, but it's choosing the joy. It's, it's fine. like, well, you know what that song? Count your blessings, count them one by one. Count your blessings. You know that song? Do you know that I song? don't, but I love it. I'm like, count your blessings. Oh I like it. Yes. Yeah. It's a great song. It's like an old church song. That's but great. Yeah, but like I have to remind myself that I'm like, okay, count my blessings, count my blessings. Which are the blessings? What are the blessings? Especially when it's like a hard moment. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm trying to remember what is the joy in this dark place. And somehow, and I know it probably sounds very frou-frou, but look, it has saved me on more occasions than I can count. It has saved me when I've been in the boardroom and I'm getting attacked. The microaggressions are aggressing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking like, I just, I'm going to like hurt everybody in here, you know, and feeling like, what is the purpose? Why am I here? What are the blessings? Like, why, 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 why? I could just quit and go home and nobody would blame me. Everybody would be like, yeah, of course, black woman, go home because these folks are crazy out here. They're trying to take you down. So go sit down somewhere, go get an easier job where people are not going to bother you. I used to tell, I told the boardroom of executives, I'd rather work at Dunkin' Donuts because it was so toxic there. Yeah. And I go, and I mean it. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, there's somebody at Dunkin' Donuts right now who hates that job too. I know. You know what I'm saying? So there's, there's got, there's gotta be a way for us to actively choose the joy, actively choose the path that we want to take because no one is going to come give it to you. Yeah, Santa isn't showing up. I say that all the time. I'm like, yo, when you're sitting there in your darkness and your funk and you're like, why isn't love coming to me? Why isn't joy coming to me? Why is not happiness? Why isn't there peace? Because those things don't thrive in the darkness. They don't. They don't grow in darkness. It's like a plant. You know, if you're, I'm a plant mom. I have lots of plants. And if you ever tried to grow a plant in the dark, it would be shriveled and small. It would still sort of grow, but it wouldn't be healthy and beautiful with those luscious green leaves. It wouldn't, it wouldn't do that. You have to go out to the light in order to get that. And so that's the same thing that I see in our grief and in our struggles and our challenges. It's like, no, you don't just sit back and passively say, why is love not coming to me? Why is happiness not coming to me? You have to go and get it. Go get it. Yeah. Yeah. We always say Santa isn't showing up, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, you did that a really great example of choosing the joy. Um, I, I do a little something different. I always say if something bad is happening or I have bad thoughts or whatever, I'm like, nope, what do I want? So this is what I don't want. And I, I go, what do I want? And then I start focusing on what I want. And then other times when bad things come in, like fear-based things, I'm like, not my story. It's not Mm -hmm. my story. Mm -hmm. And that really helps me too, because it gives me the option, because we don't know 100% that that's going to be our story. We're now pontificating. Um, So those two things help me. But you actively chose the joy. And I remember reading this, and I loved this. 
when you and your husband, Peter came home from the hospital and they, they had said there was nothing else that they could do for him. Mm -hmm. Um, though they wanted him to stay there, you guys went home anyway, and you had a party with your, all your friends. Yeah. I thought that was so cool. Hmm. Yeah, it was, it was such a, you know, I, I would like to say that it was a hard decision, but it was actually the easiest thing to go home and throw a party. It felt like, gosh, it makes me want to cry. It's like, it felt like a great send off. You know, it's like when somebody retires from work or somebody's leaving the job and people gather at the bar or they gather wherever and they're just like, yeah, here's to a great one, you know? And it's like, why, why wait until the funeral to do that? And I think for Peter, especially, he wanted to celebrate his friends and celebrate his life in a way that we were urgent about. We knew we didn't have time. We knew it. And also what a gift that is. So even in that dark moment, what a gift to know that like, oh, okay, the end is coming. So I must celebrate now. There is no choice. I can't wait till Christmas. I can't wait till the next birthday. I can't do it. You know, and I'm so glad we did. I'm so glad we did because this is like the poetry of the universe and, you know, sometimes synchronicity and the way things happen is that Peter died four days before his 44th birthday. And so we actually did have another birthday party. His funeral was his birthday party. But I'm so glad that we decided to party before that. You know, because yeah. we wouldn't have made it. Well, I feel like you had said something about it being kind of what you guys did. You it, yeah. So it was organic to you guys. Yeah. And was he doing shots coming home from the hospital with terminal <laughs> cancer? Am I crazy I mean, that I remember that? Like, why not? I mean, we didn't go. You know what I'm saying? You might as well do some shots on your way out. I'm you know? all for it, but I was reading it. I'm like, wow. Well, because you just think someone's so weak in those moments, but it sounds like he got some kind of strength to really get to live in oh, the yeah. joy and live urgently. Like you said, the book is called The Urgent Life. Yes. Um, yes. I, I really do agree with the, the, um, the gift in the knowing, because then you can do the things mm. and say the things, yes. you know, with my mom, when she was passing, I always had the conversations with friends. Like I can't imagine losing someone, losing my mom, um, instantly. Right. I had a cousin yeah. that died in a car crash that was so mm -hmm. devastating to us because mm -hmm. it just, it catches you so off guard and yeah. there's nothing you can do. Um, yeah. suicide, you know, you yeah. dealing with Ben, um, that's so hard, but then also there's so much pain that comes in a long terminal illness too. Yeah. And so I've always had those conversations of what's worse. And I just still mm -hmm. keep going back to my problems and choosing mine. And I was like, you know, I got to have every conversation I wanted. I got to cuddle in bed with my mom. Yes. I got to tell her everything I wanted to tell her. Mm. Um, nothing was left unsaid and nobody, you know, other people don't get that when it's, mm last minute, you know, you might've hung up on a, you know, on a fight with somebody and then, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's what I feel that this is the complexity of it all. You know, I felt that way about Ben's death that, um, you know, the guilt I carried around was that when I heard the phone ringing, I was so tired. I was so exhausted by his need and by his depression that I didn't turn around and answer the phone that last time I'd been on the phone all day. 
and I was just tired. You know, and I just feel, I felt such guilt, and I still do to some degree, that I didn't say more, that I didn't love him harder, that I didn't do whatever it was that he needed. And the, I know the truth, obviously, after lots of therapy, <laughs> that there is nothing really that I could do. Like, saving his life is not my responsibility. And I know that. I know that intellectually. Emotionally is another thing. And so to your point, it's like, look, when you have the opportunity to revisit losses or tragedies or anything that has happened in your life that feels like, oh, this is going to stop me from doing the next thing. You have this, I'm saying you got to actively choose to be part of the good stuff. I actually learned that even more so in writing this book, that there were many memories in the book that I had packed away, you know, put far, far away. And if I can be totally transparent, I didn't want to write about those things. And it was, I tried to sort of lightly skirt some topics. And then my editor was like, oh no, Bose, <laughs> you're gonna have to go down in this, you're gonna have to go down here, okay? And get, get whatever that was down there and bring it up because that's gonna be crucial to the selling of your story. And I was like, no, I don't wanna do it. I was fighting it. But the most beautiful thing about that process is that sometimes we look at our experiences and it feels very black and white. And it just feels like it was all good or all bad. But even in excavating those memories, I found some good stuff in there that I had forgotten because I had packed it all so far away. And you packed it in the bad box. Oh, yeah, of course. Of course. I was like, so, th so this must have been it. therapeutic. Yeah, to some degree, to some degree therapeutic. And also it's like, um, you know, it's, it's like if you've ever gone through an old box of photos, you know, all or the time. old letters and... Sometimes some of those photos make you laugh because they bring up a time and a memory. And sometimes they make you cry. And sometimes it's like, oh my God, I wish I'd never done that. <laughs> you know? That's what it's like. That's what it's like in writing a memoir. It's like that. What was an example of something you didn't really want to excavate? Oh, I definitely did not want to relive Eve's birth. That, that actually not even just her birth, the labor the labor. Um, because, you know, in writing this, I had to do the trick of trying to remember specific detail because I wanted, I wanted my memoir to feel like you were there in the room. You know, I didn't want to talk about things sort of vaguely. I wanted, I wanted you to feel like you were there hearing the beeps and the sounds of the machines and seeing the color of the nurse's uniform and understanding what was happening inside of my body as well. So going into that place was so difficult. I mean, the first time I wrote that chapter, I did sort of write over it. I didn't really talk about the labor of it. And when I was talking to Meg Leader, shout out to Meg, she's my editor, uh, about that chapter, she was like, I know it's gonna be tough, but you're gonna have to tell us what labor was like with her. And one of the parts I write about in the book, in that particular experience that I had locked away, but now with time and opportunity to look back was so beautiful is that I do remember feeling like it was she and I against the world. You know, that we were both fighting for her life. 
And even though it didn't turn out triumphantly with her living, I felt so connected to her. And I am proud of us, you know, in fighting for her. And I do think that there's a real opportunity sometimes to um, think about those moments that we want to pack away, that we don't want to think about, that we don't want to talk about, and understand the complexity of our joy and the complexity of our happiness. That it's not always just sunshine. You know, there's some gray clouds in there too, but that you can find the joy if you look for it. Where did you find joy in that though? Like I said, I, I found the fight. Joy, yeah, I found joy in, in being proud of us. Yeah. You know, it's like I I just I I feel like we did everything we could. You know, I didn't I didn't I didn't go out easy. <laughs> she yeah. didn't go out easy for sure. And so like what a fierce little soul she is. You know, I'm proud of that. Yeah. So excavating that is is what brought that to the surface. I hadn't thought about it that way before. It's a really, really um, cool way to look at that. Mm -hmm. I wish um, my mom could have heard this interview. Oh. She lost her baby on Christmas Day delivering. Oh. It's the oh. worst. Like, I don't know what's worse. I really don't know what could be worse than that. Yeah. That's, that's pretty terrible. Tell that's, me. What that's a, a rough what pain a for both of you. Yeah. 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 Especially. And she carried it every day. Yeah. Exactly. Well, how do you, how can you not, you know, it's like, look for all of us, it's like, don't you mark time sometimes that way. You know, it's like, look, I know that, and I talk about this in the book that, you know, Eve would have been 15 this year. And I often think about what, what her favorite foods would have been or like what would have made her laugh. Maybe even what her eye color would be. You know, like I think of, I think about stuff like that all the time. Like sometimes a random thing will happen and it'll be like, poof, right there, a thought. You know? And so sometimes it's like, I don't know that it is possible for us to let our grief go. I don't even think it's, I really don't think it's possible. People say that all the time, you know, like time heals all wounds. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. You just learn how to live with the, with the wound. Yeah. It, it, it definitely becomes a scar. And what happens on scars on your body? You know, I have a few. <laughs> and you look at them and you're just like, oh, God, I remember when that happened. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I know. You remember exactly what happened and how. If somebody were to ask you, like, what happened to your chin? I have one right here that I could tell you about. You know, I fell off a bunk bed when I was eight. <laughs> yep. You know, it's like, and so it's it's not as if, like, maybe the the grief, the pain of the grief is not as sharp. But sometimes, like if you have a, a scar, you know, sometimes like it's weird, right? It's like the phantom pain, phantom, or it's like if you, if something happens to it in just the right way, it, you get a little sharp pain. That's what grief is like, I feel. It was like sometimes there's something that happens, you're just like, ooh, ouch, that, oh God, no, that hurt. Okay, let me mm -hmm. go do something else. So you don't get over it. Yeah. What, um, what do you feel like is your best advice for someone who's grieving right now? Because, you know, the worst thing, actually, hold on. One of the things I really loved yeah. was because you're grieving, there's different stages of grief. Yeah. There's grief when you know there's an end, you get a terminal illness. 
So mm-hmm. I didn't realize for a long time before my mom even died years, I was grieving. Oh. I was grieving yeah. the small losses of yeah. her along the yeah. way, the cognitive losses or whatever. Yeah. Um, I really loved what they told you in the hospital. Mm. I thought instead of saying it's going to be okay, which everybody does. And you're like, bitch, it's not going to be fucking okay. Excuse my language. It's not, it is not going to be okay. Yeah. But but take it one day at a time. Yes. Was really Really. beautiful. Mm. Mm. And such a great lesson. I love that you get to share with people so that they can pass that on. Yeah. I mean, look, I think it's, the idea of taking one day at a time is double-edged. It's double-edged because mm. when your days are really screwed up, when your days are really, really painful, sometimes it feels like I just don't want to do one day at a time. Like I want to jump ahead to the future. I want to be over and done with this thing. I think that's the complexity of grief too for a lot of people who are caretakers of someone who is dying uh, is that the relief that comes after they're gone, something we don't talk about, right? Because you feel badly. You're like, oh no, I should be in deep sadness. And it's like, no, both things can be true. That you can be in deep grief and deep relief of not having the burden anymore. And I do think that that is the complexity of all kinds of grief is that if you're in a dark place right now, sometimes we do it to ourselves where we feel like we can't laugh or you can't look at the sunshine and appreciate how it bounces off of a flower because you're supposed to be sad. And so my only advice is that consistent with what I've been saying about choosing joy is that it is okay, you have the permission to feel all the range of emotion, not just your grief. This is not penance. You can find happiness. You can smile. You can laugh. You can share a drink with somebody. Like You can do all of those things, and please do, because it is what will remind you of the beauty of this life that you're living, even in the moments where you feel like you don't want to live it yourself. As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. Yeah. That was a big thing for me when my mom passed. Mm. Because I had such relief after five years of caretaking. Yeah. Um, luckily I have this show, so I've learned that 
you can have both the grief and the relief and not be a bad person. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, the general kind of feeling for people is, um, is I'm a horrible person. Oh yeah. If, if I can move on and laugh and smile and, um, yeah. 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 And other people will make you feel that way too, <laughs> which is, yeah. a, you know, a whole nother, probably a whole nother hour of conversation around other people's expectations and obligations for our lives that actually yeah. causes us more grief than usually the trauma of the moment. That's a whole nother discussion. <laughs> actually, you know, what's so funny, those is um, in tragedy, <laughs> people really um, either show up or don't show up. <laughs> Maria. And it's, so glaring. You gonna like, go there? Are you wow. going to go there? <laughs> I think we sh we should because listen, anybody who's dealing with grief in any kind of way, whether it's their own health issues, somebody mm. else's, or a mm. loss, or whatever, you're like, really? Like you? And then they're like, oh, but we didn't want to impose, and you're like, no, you just didn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, you just didn't show up. You didn't show up. Why are you causing more grief with your behavior? Yeah. Isn't that wild? I mean, I say it all the time sort of casually, right? That grief grief is a crazy thing. It makes people act in all kinds of weird ways. Yeah, and sometimes people in your life who don't show up the way that you expect them to show up because of their own traumas and their own issues and their own fears. I had Or a just plain selfishness. That happens oh, too. Yeah. That too. Like that I, too. I can, I can <laughs> give permission to certain you know, scenarios where you're like, oh, they were, um, you know, some people can't handle funerals. Oh, they oh, just can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and, but, but here's the thing when you can't, it's all about communication. Yeah. Because the person needs to understand, you know what? I just don't do well in these environments. I want to be mm -hmm. there for you. How can we have yeah. a separate day? How can yeah. we, you know, you know, you, you got to communicate, yeah. but you know, yeah, yeah. I, I've dealt with all of it. It's it's all of those things. And look, again, I think that this is the the thing that we don't talk about enough, which is that when that happens to you, you are under no obligation to continue the relationship with whomever has disappointed you. Like you have, there's no obligation. I don't care who they are. They could be the blood relative. They could be no. It doesn't. You don't have to do anything. And that is a also a larger conversation about just our lives you know, in the way that we operate, because so many of us do have these imposed obligations and expectations that make it hard for us to function lightly in this life that we have, that we're so burdened by other people. And so, yes, if you have somebody in your life who has greatly disappointed you, even in the moment of grief or some other, nobody said you need to continue having a relationship with this person. You know what? They might turn off over a new leaf. They might come and apologize and tell you that they couldn't handle the funeral or they couldn't be there for you because this and that and third that they were doing in their own lives. And then you might decide to forgive them. The point is that you are under no obligation to put yourself at risk for anybody else. No mm -hmm. one, not in the emotional space that you are. <clears throat> and if you feel like you're comfortable, then go for it. But under no circumstances do you force yourself into anything. Yeah. I look at it like for me, I know Kevin and I like to put our superhero capes on for everybody in every moment, right? Whether it's 
I remember from the first times we moved in LA, random people we worked with, their dog was like in an accident. We'd race in the car to go like be there and, okay. and help. Like whatever it is, we're always putting our superhero capes on. Yeah. And what's funny is it's really been like, oh, this person doesn't care about me equally. So I don't have to now invest in them the way I thought I did. So it relieves me of having to worry about that person, care about that person in that regard. So now I'm like, oh, I understand what the relationship is. It's all good. Yeah, Um, exactly. I was before, in different moments, I was really hurt with family members because I think Mm. we have expectations of family members where they Mm -hmm. have to or should be or whatever. Mm -hmm. And again, we base it on, we know what we would be to that person. Yes. Yes. And and that's a really tough thing to do because they're not you. Right. And they, nice. they, they can't be. Or they would have been there. They would have done the thing. Yeah. If they if they were if they really were about <laughs> what you would do for them, they would have done exactly what you do. But that's also the thing is that we've also got to get rid of that expectation that we have on, on others. You know, we've talked we've talked about the expectations other have of of us, but then those expectations we have of others, like sometimes you gotta let the, that go if it is unfair to that person or to that relationship. You know, you gotta love people as they are, and that's why now it's like, look, I'm totally, or not, or, or not. not. Yeah. Me, God, mean. God shines a light and says, you actually aren't thinking about this the way you should be. Let me just show you who this person is. Yes. yes. Let me just show you the inequality in the feelings, which doesn't have to be a bad thing. That's right. right? It's not a bad thing. Doesn't mean that person's a horrible person. It's just, they don't care about you the way you care about them. So now you, you can make your decisions moving forward accordingly. Yeah. You know, I saw this um, segment that Bishop T.D. Jakes did with Oprah once. I I love him. We're getting him on the show. Mm -hmm. This, oh, I, he's I think Kelsey's amazing. working on it. I love good, him. Good. I went to the Potter's house, by the way, in Dallas, um, the Sunday before my book came out. And it was so fantastic. Like, he's just so fantastic. Oh, my God. But um, he often says so many wise things that, that I love. But this, he said, oh, God, it's got to be 15 years ago, probably. But it has always stuck with me. And it's about this idea about people loving you the way that you expect them to or the way that you would love them. And he said that um, he used gallons as the analogy. And he was like, you know, if you're a hundred gallon person, right? It takes a hundred gallons to fill you up and you are in relationship, romantic, platonic, familial, whatever, relationship with somebody who is a 10 gallon person and you pour into them, oh, you'll fill them up quick. You know, it's like, you'll do the thing and they'll just be like, oh my God, thank you so much. And they really appreciate it. But when it's your turn and they pour everything they have into you, they're only feeling 10%. And you feel so disappointed, but they gave you everything they have, everything. And so sometimes you have to look at people in your life. And if they are 10 gallon people, the question is, do you want 10 gallon people around in your life? And if you do, that is okay, but recognize that they are 10 gallon people. And sometimes yeah. they will give you everything they have and it will simply not be enough. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I've dealt with that over the last seven years. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, that, like I said, the range of emotions go from angry to, okay, I'm going to forgive. 
because mm-hmm. they're just not the way we would be. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, to actually relief. <laughs> now it's just relief. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I get it. <laughs> yes, so. exactly. Exactly. But that has also opened my mind up so much because I recognize the 10 gallon people in my life. I'm definitely a hundred gallon person. And I'm so like a hundred billion gallon. I'm like, I, I, but, there but, you I, go. but I love this analogy because I'm going to look at it like that. Now you're just a 10 gallon person. No, no yeah. disrespect, no disrespect, but I need more. It's like in relationships. Sometimes yeah. you just need more, you just need more. Than and they maybe, can give. Correct. And maybe you're just like, look, I can't be in romantic relationship with someone who's a 10 gallon person because my love requires that I am filled all the way. So that quickly takes out people who I'm just like, well, no, you're a 10, per- nope, 20 gallon, 30 gallon, 40 gallon, 50. No, go, 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 go. I need Do you my- feel like you have quick gallon. identifiers for 10 gallon people? Oh yeah. I think, okay, I think tell me. All, I think we all can, right? I mean, like, look. You've lived with this 10 gallon thing longer than me. I am really excited. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, this is going to change your life, Maria. <laughs> Yeah, this, give me the identifiers. It's quick. So I'll give you an example. In in romantic relationships, especially after Peter's death, um, as you can imagine, I was not looking quickly to jump into another vulnerable love relationship it, because the fear of like loss was just too overwhelming, right? Um, and my therapist at the time, after about a year of going to this therapist, and I think Peter had been gone, maybe like yeah, probably 18 months or so. And she said, you know, you really need to get back out there. You need to, you know, go, go date just casually, you know, just you don't have to marry the person, but you're too young to be caught up in this cave. And I'm like, mm, first of all, this sounds stupid, but okay, <laughs> let, me, let me try this. So I go out and here's the thing, little known fact about me. I'm like a serial monogamist. I'm not the person who's like casual out here having a good time. I was never that person. So I meet someone, uh, and I know immediately he's a 10-gallon person. How? I know, I know because he was not as thoughtful as I am about other people's feelings or other people's needs. You know, I'm the one who anticipates. I'm a little bit of an empath. Right. So I anticipate other people's needs and I'll fulfill it quickly. Like I it, it isn't it doesn't really take much from me to be like, oh, you know, even like a quick text message or a meme that I'll send somebody or I remember birthdays very like easily. I remember anniversaries. I remember all that stuff. So it's no problem. Like I love giving gifts, you know, so it's like I, I'll send flowers. I will you know, get you the teddy bear that has your name embroidered on it. I'll send you a singing telegram just because I know it'll make you smile. Like, I like that stuff. He wasn't that person. He was not thoughtful enough to consider that sometimes I needed a little surprise, a little pick-me-up. That wasn't necessarily expensive, just the thought of it. And it was in, you know, responses that he would give or forgetting, you know, important moments or, you know, that kind of stuff. And even though I recognized that he was not a hundred gallon person and that his 10 gallons meant that he remembered Valentine's day because of course it was coming up and everybody in the world was saying it. It's the obvious. Yeah. Or, or Christmas, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it was like the big stuff, but 
he he wouldn't remember when I had a big presentation at work and I was stressed out about it, or if I said it and I came home and he called, he wouldn't ask how it went, you know, that kind of stuff. And I found myself feeling increasingly um, disappointed, resentful, you know, feeling like he wasn't fulfilling what I needed. And that sometimes I think, again, maybe there's somebody who's listening who can identify with this, right? You start feeling resentful. You're just like, if it was you, man, I, I would be out here calling you. I would yep. be taking you out to dinner. I would have chilled the champagne on the way home to celebrate your big day. Like I would have done all that stuff. And as I recognized the frustration that was building, I was like, oh, you know what? I need to, I need to get out of this. Like, this is actually not the thing that's going to fulfill me. It's going to just frustrate me some more because he's a 10 gallon person and he's going to pour into somebody and perhaps was pouring into me everything that he had. He remembered Valentine's day and Christmas. Perhaps that was all that his mind could and his emotion could do, but it was not enough for me. So we had to break. <laughs> I, I think this is your next book because oh. <laughs> I really do because with relationships. So I was just sitting in that relationship with you for a minute. Mm -hmm. And what I think a lot of us do is we'll say, but this person's a good person. Yeah. And so, cause you start to think I'm crazy. Yeah. I, I need too much maybe or whatever, but you, yeah. so then you start to think, well, it's a good person and this and this and this, and then you feel guilty and then you think you're wrong. And then you go back yeah. into the cycle but yes. I really like, let's look at this from the hundred gallon and 10 gallon perspective, because we have needs that aren't being met. And if that's yeah. the case, someone else can. Yeah, exactly. And look, it happens in work too. Like I've been a leader at several companies and I hire people who are hundred gallon people. I do. Like, and I don't, I mean, there's nothing else to say about that because I reckon not just because they're going to work harder, but because I understand that I am pouring everything I have into the work and I need the reciprocal. And so yeah. even if somebody's a specialist at a certain thing they do, they are a hundred gallon person at the thing they do. And that is good enough for me. You know, but if you're showing up a 10 gallon person in an interview, oh, I could tell right away. I know. And I'm like, no, that's not going to work out. <laughs> You know, try a different job because this is this is not it. Because the thing is that like it's not even so much about the job itself. It's about the people that you're working with. Yeah. And so sometimes like we can build resentment at work, too. Right. Where it's like if you are in a space and especially, you know, it's like as an entrepreneur mm -hmm. or in a corporate space. Right. You you work with people that, you know, are not doing what it is that you would do and how you would do it. Are they a 10 gallon person? They might be giving you everything they have. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if it's not enough, you're just going to build resentment against that person. You're just mm -hmm. going to be upset with them all the time. And they're going to be sitting there like, what did I do? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you everything. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know what to do. Like, I feel tired. I feel exhausted. I'm stressed out. I feel burnt out because I'm giving you everything. But they're yeah. just the right person for you. And it's not even so much about the job. Maybe they are completing the job, but they're not a hundred gallon person to match your hundred. And therefore you're disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've gone through that forever in life. <laughs> no, it's true.
But yeah. I even like uh, when I try to find a manager, I remember Desiree, Desiree Gruber pulling me aside and being like, you're never going to find someone that's going to be as good as you as, and Kevin are. Because you guys are so on top of things. You're so self-starters. No one's going to match. So in that scenario, we weren't going to find a hundred gallon match. And she just knew it. Um, this is a, a mutual friend of ours, by the way, who's another power, powerful woman. Love Desiree. But I think this hundred gallon thing is going to be kind of an aha moment for a lot of people. And like you said, whether it's uh, your romantic interests or at work, yeah. Um, I think a lot of people can be freed from those scenarios where they just can't match up. They just yeah. can't, they can't live up to that standard. Um, you want your flowers on a random day. I mean, listen, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. That's what you need to yeah. feel full. But exactly. I don't think we've ever looked at what our needs are officially. Yeah. And so I, I challenge everyone who's listening, who's in a relationship where they're not really feeling good maybe you start to think of the things that you need yeah. and, and, and write them down. And if yeah. they're not being met, then sit with your partner and say, this is what I need and give That's them right. the chance. Yeah. Um, I feel like Kevin and I did this in therapy once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this isn't mm-hmm. just my genius idea right now. <laughs> Thank you, Cecile. Um, she said, she goes, sit down and write down your needs and then, yeah. and then work on that. Yeah. And so I think that's, that's a really cool thing. So yeah, this is your next book. Oh, well, all right. So let me, let me call my publisher. (laughs) So right now it's the urgent life. Yeah. So the urgent life is all about how we're going to get through all the shit that goes on in our lives and and your inspiring story of how you did it. And then the next one is going to be, are you a hundred gallon person or a 10 gallon person? We're going to use that on our social media. So, you know, I'm like, Um, go for it. Yes. We'll talk to Bishop Jake about it too. Exactly. Um, Get him to expand but, on it. I'm sure he has a lot more thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, but I think this this book is great. And I think that anybody who is going through a tough time, mm-hmm. uh, you need this, you need this reassurance that you're not alone and that there are ways to I, you know, we've done a lot of shows on grief here. There are mm-hmm. ways to navigate grief. Mm-hmm. that are a lot easier than kind of just the traditional, I have to wear black for a year. That's yeah. a lot of like the Greek culture does yeah, and yeah. be sad forever and not dance. And, you know, my dad didn't want to dance for a while. I go, dad, mom knows you love dancing. Do you yeah. really think she wants us to not dance and not be happy? Oh, yes. You know, I have a picture of her in my kitchen and she's just smiling so big. Yes. It's the biggest, happiest smile on a photo I think I have of her. And I swear that one photo helps me every day to smile. I don't feel that intense pain. I like, I put my hand on her heart every morning and I tell her hello and that I love her and I feel good. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't know I would ever feel like that. I feel good because I know that she's, she wants me to be good. Yes. Yes. Oh man. You just made me think of that. um, What is it? Leanne Womack song i hope you dance do you know that song oh yeah yeah oh, and now i'm gonna cry <laughs> i love that song i love that song it is um perhaps that's you i feel like we keep dropping these little musical uh journeys you know for everyone but uh it's such a good song to remember you know especially when you've lost someone and you're having a hard time dancing or smiling it's like 
listen to that song and perhaps you will be encouraged, you know, to keep it, to keep moving. Yeah. Well, Bose, I love you. Oh, I love um, you. Thank, thank you, you for the time today. And of course the great book, we'll put a link to it in the summary of this episode for everybody. And, um, until we see you again, have an amazing, blessed, urgent, beautiful life. <laughs> amazing. I love it. Thank you. I wish the same for you, Maria. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank the you. You're such a great friend. I appreciate you. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate you. All right, friends. Like I said, the book is out now, The Urgent Life. You can get it wherever books are sold. Before you go, friends, do not forget to check out macy's.com backslash heel squad for any upcoming gifts, any outfit needs that you may have, any kitchen needs or home needs. I have curated my favorite things from macy's.com and put them all on our link macy's.com backslash heel squad. Of course, as you know, they're a big supporter of the show, helps us keep the lights on and pay Kelsey. <laughs> so if you would use that link for anything that uh, you want to buy that maybe isn't even on there, it really does support us and help us keep this show going. So we thank you for that. Uh, in the meantime, be nice people, make good choices and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or MariaMenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions.